0: So I had nigga run up and check. I got the message on me. on My blessings attorney on me, call it collect. I don't even know day day day. what that means. What does it even mean? <laughs> How's it going, everyone? This is Simon. Closed Network Podcast, episode number 10. Recorded today. Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. Gotta turn off one of my screens here. There we go. Um, uh, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. I've been uh, traveling and had some family stuff to attend to, and now I'm back. I was hoping to get this podcast out beforehand. wasn't able to cut it, so we are doing it. We're doing it now. A little late than never, don't they say? Better late than never. I don't know if that's always true. Sometimes never is the better option. But we are here. Um, got a pretty pretty simplified podcast. I. Was going to go really deep on some stuff. And I had to trim it back because of time. I don't like these things to run over an hour. Uh, I like it to be under an hour if possible. I just feel like it's easier to listen to a podcast uh, in that time frame or into chunks or something like that. So I'm still experimenting with that. Uh, if I have a guest or I'm going to do an interview or something, I, I won't put those constraints on uh, unless they need to be. But I do try to stay within a framework. So... How's everyone doing? hope you're doing well. I've been pretty good. Been pretty good. Um, I got a couple emails over the last couple weeks, some some support, some kind words. It's really appreciative. Uh, you can contact me if you go to the Closed Network website, which is closedntwrk.com. You can click on the contact, send me a message. You can also leave a voice message if you'd like. And if you leave one, I can play it on the podcast if you'd like. Let me know, though, if you don't. Um, Otherwise, I'll assume that you do, that you don't mind if it's a a question you can record and and it'll come to me. Uh, You can also donate through the website uh, and leave reviews. If you want to donate, buy me a coffee, uh, that kind of stuff. You can also send crypto if you want. Uh, Easiest way to donate to this podcast and many other great podcasts out there is to use a podcast 2.0 web web app or a phone app. You can go to newpodcastapps.com. That will take you to the podcastingindex.org website where they have apps listed you can download and use. Uh, why these apps are special is because you can load them up with some Bitcoin and uh, you know throw 10 bucks, 5, 10, 20, whatever you want to. Search out some of your other favorite podcasts. They might be on there and you can stream Satoshis, little sats, little uh, denominations of Bitcoin to your favorite podcasters as a way to donate as you're listening to the show, which is really, really cool. Um, People have been doing that to this uh, podcast, and I I love seeing that. It makes me giddy every time I get an alert that someone streamed Satoshi's to the podcast episode. It also lets me know maybe which episodes are uh, better than others. I don't know. Maybe based on the title or the content. So it's always appreciative. Um, I got a pretty pretty deep email from somebody i'm not going to reveal like the name or even the details of it but basically uh it was a thank you email and uh they had suffered some backlash from a bad breakup bad relationship someone who had access and had knew some of their logins and was doing some really evil sketchy stuff and uh they listened to the podcast and they said uh it really helped being able to implement some of the applications and tools and techniques to Create new aliases and use a password manager, and that uh, they really liked the podcast. And after reading the story, I was like, "Wow, like that's uh, pretty powerful." So, and it always and it helps remind me too that you know sometimes the uh, the threat can come within uh, within your circle. Maybe a family member, an ex, uh, a friendship that went south, a business relationship that went south, a business partner. Maybe, oftentimes in those situations, you kind of trust each other more uh with your personal you know logins to get into certain things or if you're sharing social media accounts and you have shared passwords that it's just something to be mindful of is that uh you know it's just it's you know you don't want to think the worst in people that they'd maybe do something like that to you uh but you know things change circumstances come up that people can't anticipate and it's unfortunate so uh, but thank you for the email (laughs) sorry uh if you're listening i i do appreciate it and um i'll be shooting you an email back uh i'm a a little behind the curve a little behind uh everything work has been pretty busy and uh going out of town not making excuses it's just you know life gets busy sometimes but i am trying to be uh uh consistent with at least getting episodes out and uh every seven to ten days is my goal we're going on a couple weeks here but um yeah thanks for sticking with me thanks for hanging in there uh, we're on episode 10, so we're going to be, gonna be double, double digits until we hit triple digits. So that's kind of a neat little milestone. Uh, if you have been listening th- from the first episode, thanks for uh, riding this wave with me in this privacy journey that we're all taking together, um, maybe in different areas and different uh, threat models of why we're here, but we're all here for one reason or another. So thanks for listening. I, 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 uh, I love this stuff. I can't get enough of it. I need to kind of sometimes take... Mental breaks, though, because I go down some pretty serious rabbit holes from time to time. And it can get a little dark. It can get a little dark out there. And you have to remind yourself that uh, it's not always doom and gloom. Uh, and not take anything too seriously in life. Uh, take your privacy serious. Take your, your relationship serious. But, you know, try to have a good time, too, where it's a short time on this, on this planet. So don't get too uh, caught up. And the negativity and the world and with each other, just focus on on your on your group, your little you know uh, monkey sphere, if you if you will. Um, I've been wanting to work on some tutorials, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to do that, whether it's in blog or video form. Uh, but I'm also going to be linking to tutorials that I've used myself that are really good, and I'll be referencing a couple of those uh, a little bit in this podcast as i 'm talking about digital digital sovereignty and uh, bitcoin and self hosting and that's going to be kind of a general theme for this you know podcast in general because to me sovereignty is uh, really something that is important um, and no one person can be like a hundred percent self sufficient or anything like that i don't I don't think that that's the goal even necessarily of a lot of people myself included um, that would, you know, be going and, you know, researching this topic of privacy and security. But I think that it's important to understand that, you know, we can try to uh, govern ourselves, like, you know, uh, not rely necessarily on uh, countries, you know, governments or banks to do that for us. And that's one of the things that I like about Bitcoin is that it allows us to be sovereign and not and, and a kind of a permissionless system to transfer value for products or services, and can't be censored. Uh, it can be regulated. Uh, it can be regulated, but it can't be canceled or shut down, so to speak. And regardless of what you know side you're on with the, if you're on a side at all, I, I don't want to make that assumption. I think a lot of people are, are uh, independently thinking about different things they see in the world, but specifically with this protest in Ottawa, Canada, where the truckers have been um, basically doing an Occupy, protest uh, against the uh, covid covid mandates the era the uh, you know the vaccine mandates and uh, agree disagree that's not uh, that's not really why I bring it up but the reason why I bring it up is because there was a lot of crowdfunding that was going on uh, p- particularly using goFundMe to help individuals who wanted to support those people who are protesting were donating for that money to go to the to the protesters to help pay for bills or gas or, you know, food or whatever. A lot of people were uh, out of work because of that protest. I respect people who are willing to go that, that distance. Um, agree, disagree, just, just that they have that kind of commitment. I uh, don't think all these people that I protest are all loony or crazy. I think there are a lot of those. I think there's a lot of people who genu- genuinely, have uh issue with whatever is at hand and the fact that they're willing to take a stand, even if it means losing income, is powerful. Uh, I think no matter what you're protesting for, when, you go, when you're that committed, uh, it, it shows a lot of character. Whether you agree with the sentiment is totally irrelevant. Uh, it, it, it just shows me, wow, that's a lot of commitment. Um, and I feel like when you go down this privacy journey, it requires a lot of commitment uh, to, to learn and experiment and try things out. Uh, but one of the, you know, getting back to the GoFundMe thing, you know, they were able to, the government was able to, the, the law enforcement of uh, was able to lean on GoFundMe and say that, you know, oh, it's, uh, it's actually funding uh, terrorist activity. So they were basically able to freeze those funds, return them or redistribute them, but not go to where they were intended. And the problem I have there is a lot of people may say, well, you know, you know, it's, it's a People were donating for a specific reason to a cause, and it was being taken. uh, Whether it was or or it was being denied, even if it was returned to the original donor, it was being denied. And that's an area where uh, a lot of other countries that are have very corrupt governments and high inflation uh, due to money over you know printing of money. Devaluing their, their currency where, or, or even austerity measures where money's even being seized from their accounts. Uh, this is an area where I look at is not just like one facet, but multiple facets and, and control. Ultimately it leads to control. If someone can control your money, they can control your actions. And if they can control your actions, they can control your thought. And they can also um, make you feel like you're not able to talk a certain way or think a certain way. Anything that stifles creativity, freedom of speech, individual thought, uh, critical thinking, I'm against, period. Uh, I just don't, I don't, I don't think that um, we grow, we evolve as a people if we're stifled into a box and we're scared uh, to share ideas, even if they seem extreme. Uh, I'm not talking about hate. I'm talking about anything against the the narrative the, that the propaganda is preaching. And I'm not being talking about anything specific. I'm talking in general. Um, when journalists and activists are being targeted by governments and law enforcement using software like Pegasus, which is uh, software developed by the NSO Group out of Israel, and governments are trying to pass legislation like right now the earn it bill uh, which did pass the Senate Judiciary Committee about a week and a half ago which basically leans on ISPs to um, use less encryption as a mass surveillance tool to monitor emails, phone calls, communications just like the US legislation is doing that like other countries do it To their activists and journalists who are talking, speaking out against, uh, you know, a regime that may be violating civil liberties, I take problem. I have a problem with that. I take issue with that, and that's one of the reasons why I do what I do. It's not to be combative. Uh, It's actually just to stand up for what I believe in, as far as uh, that individual sovereignty, especially when it comes to your data and your communication. Um, You know, when we talk about data, I I like try to think about it as a house. Uh, you know, and, and privacy specifically, not just data, but privacy. So if the government wants to scan all your emails and text messages and, you know, know the phone calls and all this stuff, it's to me, it's like them saying hey, we want to take all the blinds off your windows in your house, remove the doors and put in glass doors. Let everyone see what you're doing all the time. If you have nothing to hide, then you shouldn't worry about it. Right. That's the, that's the message that's usually conveyed. If you have nothing to hide, you should, you have nothing to worry about it's not a matter of having anything to hide. It's a matter of it's, it's not your business. It's not intended for you to be a part of that conversation. It's a one-to-one or one-to-many conversation that I want to have with certain people and it's none of your business. So, you know, when people want to to send money to a cause, whether, you know, it's a charitable charitable event or a protest, uh, they should be able to do so. And so Bitcoin, uh, and other currencies, I, uh, cryptocurrencies I like, Monero and, and other things, but primarily Bitcoin is the focus because it's really what, uh, started the revolution in this. And when I, there, there was other cryptocurrencies before it that just never got adopted and never took off. Uh, Bitcoin was the one that won. It also came at a time right after the mor- mortgage crisis fiasco in the United States where in 2008 we had banks that were rated AAA that were literally closed. They were bankrupt. Uh, this is the system that's in place. This is a system we're supposed to trust. And I think a lot of people have a lot less trust now for uh, the talking heads and government and banks uh, than they ever have uh, before. And I do think people are looking for ways to protect themselves from being a victim. And that's that's my, my desire, my goal, my mission, if you will, is to... Do what I can to contribute to that that whole uh, uh, you know pool of of information. I don't. Know, that's not a bad way to describe it. I just kind of drew a, a blank there. But ultimately, to be part of that community that helps others discover and find ways to live uh, their digital life with more doors, with more curtain blinds up, and not. At least not making it easy, right uh, nothing we talk about on here is going to make you disappear or be invisible that's That's not going to happen if you've got a phone, if you've got an internet connection, if you've got electricity you're you're definitely on the grid, but it means that you can it doesn't mean that you have to uh play by all those rules that they that they try to make us uh, play within so uh, I want to talk about running your own Bitcoin node. Uh, and what does that mean? So there's actually a really funny kind of article. Not really funny, but like haha but just funny as in uh, uh, entertaining article that I came across. I was trying to find a reason. You know, I, I have my personal reasons for running a Bitcoin node. But there's an article on Bitcoin Magazine from uh, August of 2021 that says, you know, why you should run your own Bitcoin node. And I'm not gonna go and read like all the reasons. I will just, I'll cover all six and I'll just kind of touch on them, but then we'll kind of go into what it really means uh, for us as an individual. There's a couple in here that really stand out more than anything else. And the reason number one that they have listed is privacy. And so they say when your wallet uh, tells your Bitcoin balance, it asks a random public Bitcoin node what balance each of your addresses contains. And then it gives you the result. And you see your total Bitcoin in that particular wallet. Even empty addresses, which you haven't used, are also you know they're queried. Queried. So there are surveillance companies out there that run their own nodes because people will connect to them, and they can see the IP addresses of uh, the Bitcoin wallets that are connecting, and they can they can see that, and they can co- you know correlate IP addresses to Bitcoin wallet uh, addresses and balances and create databases of that. So when you run your own node, you're only ever querying your own node <laughs> that you're in control of. So it's not it's not you're not relying on someone else's node to validate or verify a balance or validate the address. You get to validate it yourself. Um so that's cool. I mean that's a good reason right there number 1. Number 2 is you can confirm for yourself, uh, without trusting anyone else that you are receiving real Bitcoin and that nothing's getting spoofed to you, um, or anything like that. It gets harder and harder these days to do that, but it's still, uh, it's, it's a pretty sophisticated kind of, uh, uh, attack to do that, but it's possible a- attack to manipulate, you know, uh, what the wallet would actually see, but it adds a level of comfort so that you can, uh, trust your own node that you are receiving what you're supposed to be receiving. Uh, and, and, you know, you can also, when you install a, a wallet on your phone or anything, you can point it to your your Bitcoin node to, uh, receive and broadcast and, and to actually, um, uh, verify a transaction. Um, and number three is, uh, Defending the, the the Bitcoin rules from unwanted changes like scarcity or block size. So there have been times in the past where people have tried to spoof uh, block sizes by having a lot of hash power. Um, this is like a, oftentimes referred to as like a fifty one percent attack, uh, where if you can control more computing power, uh, then you could maybe override and spoof the system. And there have been forks like Bitcoin Cash. Uh, you know, was kind of forked the Bitcoin core uh, blockchain. And so there was like a time there where uh, if you weren't running a node, if you were like running just a wallet, it may or may not connect to a Bitcoin node or a Bitcoin cash node um, because they basically took a copy of it and went another direction. And uh, anyway, it's a long story, but It's not as likely to happen as going down the road now, but it has happened in the past. People have tried to do that. Um, And if also number four is if you run a node, you can leave it on 24 hours a day and it helps give stability to the network. Uh, The only way to shut down Bitcoin would be to shut down every Bitcoin node and miner out there. Um, Which would, I mean, I won't say anything's impossible, but it would be fantastically complicated. Let's put it that way. Um, and the more nodes that are running, the faster the transactions can propagate for everyone, and the harder it is to shut down the network. Uh, so, in order to like essentially kill Bitcoin, you'd have to essentially erase every single copy of the blockchain. Uh, which anyone who's running, like myself, a Raspberry Pi with a hard drive plugged into it under their desk or somewhere in a closet or whatever, um, it, it's sustaining the network. So, you know, you're you're kind of like being an ar- a digital anarchist just by running a node. And it's kind of gangster in that way. Um, you can be an Uncle Jim. What's an Uncle Jim? Uh, that's a term I was not familiar with myself, but an Uncle Jim, according to Bitcoin Magazine, is someone that they're referring to as people that connect their wallets to. Like you, you may not have to trust, don't trust random people on the internet, but maybe you have a good friend uh, who runs a node and you trust them. So you could just like point your wallet to their node. Uh, Essentially, in every social circle, there's usually someone who's more technical or nerdy or whatever uh, that can basically be uh, of use to the people in your circle, and they can kind of be that person uh, to trust. There's the coolness factor and street cred uh, to running your node. It's cool. (laughs) Maybe your neighbors won't think it's cool. I think it's cool. I'll think it's cool if you do it, Um, and just have a higher, a bigger appreciation for, for the Bitcoin uh, protocol and for the network and being a node operator, so um, you'll probably end up becoming an advocate by running a node just because you'll talk about it and probably acquire more or get get friends and family interested in it. So these are just some ways, some reasons why. I mean, there's no like, wow, okay, I'm definitely running out tomorrow and buying a Raspberry Pi and and building one of these. It's something that just I think it's a, an easy step to feel like you're contributing to something with minimal effort. You don't even have to build it on a Raspberry Pi. You could have an old laptop laying around and just download the Bitcoin core software. Um, It will require some disk space. The the blockchain is around, I want to say 470, 480 gigabytes. So just mentally think like half a terabyte to store the blockchain on. But if you have a laptop or old computer, I say laptop because they're usually low power. So, Um, you could just install Bitcoin core on it. It would take a while to synchronize, but once it downloads all the blocks, it'll be basically contributing to this, the infrastructure. Um, it does have a wallet on there. You could go ahead and save your keys, you know, from that uh, wallet when you create it, write it down, put it in your safe somewhere safe. Um, and I wouldn't use that as like your primary wallet. I wouldn't, I'm an advocate of cold storage, like cold storage wallets, but it's a good start and, you know, you could use it as a Bitcoin wallet and maybe you, uh, maybe you use that as a, a place for uh, receiving Bitcoin and then you pull it off and send it to cold storage later. But even if you don't store any Bitcoin in it, just the fact that it's running and contributing to the rest of the network is uh, meaningful. Um, running a Raspberry Pi. Um, there are some really cool images out there. The one I've been using that I really like, I've ran two, one is uh, MyNode, BTC, and the other one I've been running, which I'm currently running, is Umbral, U-M-B-R-E-L, and you can check them out at getumbral.com. It's all free. Download the image. They have a tutorial on how to convert the image into a bootable ROM, like, and then you flash it to an SD card. If I'm talking over your head, don't be intimidated. It's a very easy process. It's the same process people would use to create an image for like a windows boot installer or Linux. It's just an operating system. You're just downloading it and you're burning the image to. Uh, when I want to say burning the image I and mean, you're just using a software application like etcher. Um, and it's a free application and you basically just point to the, to the image you downloaded from get Umbral, You point it to the SD card like, okay, here's the source. Here's the destination go. It does all the magic. It says it's done. You take the SD card out, you slide it in the Raspberry Pi, turn it on, make sure your hard drive's plugged in. I'd get like a four terabyte drive for it, like a little laptop external USB drive. You can pick them up for like 50 bucks or less, probably even cheaper than that now. And uh, so you plug in the SD card, plug in the power, plug in the hard drive and a network cable that uh, you plug into your router in your house or your your office and boom. Once it's downloaded, the blockchain could take a while depending upon your internet speed. Boom, you've got a Bitcoin node running. Congratulations. And it's all managed through a web interface. So if you can use a web browser, you can run a Bitcoin node. Maybe that's what I should call the title of this podcast. If you can use a web browser, you can run a Bitcoin node. Um, And it's really as simple as that. The reason why I like the Umbral image is because they also have a really cool graphical app store, kind of like what you're used to seeing on a mobile phone. So if you want to install NextCloud, you can do that. There's other applications. If you want to run a Bitcoin lightning node, which is a little bit more advanced, but still pretty simple to set up, it's literally configurable and you can set it up through this web interface, through the app store. There's tons of other apps you can install. I won't name them all. There's a lot. But just doing this one thing, like just setting up on a laptop or downloading Get Umbral and putting it on a Raspberry Pi uh, a Raspberry Pi is kind of cool cause it's just this small little box and it's a super low power, doesn't make any noise and it could just be on indefinitely forever. Cause you would want it to be, you'd want it to be always running. Most, most of the time when people say something as a server, it's meaning that it's always there to serve a request. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind once you set it up and get it configured. Uh, but then you can do some cool stuff. Uh, I use mine. I'm also running a Dojo server on there for the Samurai wallet for Android, which allows me to do some Bitcoin mixing. I won't call it like money laundering or anything like that. It's not, it's not laundering. It's just mixing Bitcoin with other transaction, uh, other Bitcoin transactions from other people. So it kind of obfuscates the originality of the Bitcoin. Um, it's pretty cool. And you can run that on your Raspberry Pi with your Umbral image. Uh, it's a little more advanced to set up, but there are some great tutorials. There's a, a guy by the name. Oh, what's his name? I, gosh, his name just blanked on my head. But his YouTube channel is called BTC Sessions. And I followed his tutorials in setting up my Bitcoin node. And he is super thorough and energetic easy to follow. And I've really appreciated him taking the time to do that. And this guy cranks out tons and tons of tutorials. Um, So I'd actually be the first place I go. And you can buy Raspberry Pi online. There's a lot of online stores you can purchase it from. I mean, you can get it from Amazon. Um, I try to buy mine from, uh, you know, smaller companies that are selling them. Some of them have some really cool, like, 3D printed Cases and you kind of fancy it up a little bit, but on average, a Raspberry Pi is going to run you about 40 to 80 bucks Um, You can find some that are kits that come with like a cool case, maybe some LED lights You can kind of, you know, pimp it out a little bit But ultimately the Raspberry Pi like the internals. They're the same. It's it's a it's a very small uh, computer And they usually come with uh, like four or eight gigabytes of RAM Uh, If you want to run more than one application, maybe like a couple apps, I I would probably opt for the eight gigabyte model. But if you just want to go bare bones and just say like, I want to run a node, that's all I want to do. Four gigabytes would be just fine. You really wouldn't need to go bigger. Um, I always like think of like things that I might want to do something with a piece of hardware like that long term, like what I do with it right now, that may change what I want it to do later. So I generally try to get a little bit more RAM uh, than the minimum, but that's not what you have to do. It's just kind of my, uh, my, my thought process when it comes to it. But, uh, yeah, the raspberry Pi is just a little, it's a little server. It's fast, it's powerful and it's, uh, low, it's very energy efficient. So, uh, you might find other things that you like projects. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with raspberry Pis. There's a lot of, uh, video games that you can install, like for Nintendo old, the old NES, you can install like an emulator and download the games. You can even get a Nintendo controller and plug it in. It's just really cool little device. So, uh, I've got mine running on a Raspberry Pi Pi four with eight gigabytes of Ram with a four or five terabyte drive plugged into it. And it's been working out really well. I've been running, I've been running, uh, two different nodes. Uh, the first one, I think I started running a couple years ago, And the Umbral server I built maybe a year ago. And it's all really easy to update. It's all done through the web interface. And it's a lot of fun. And it just kind of makes, I don't know, tinkering with stuff a little bit more enjoyable. Um, But... You know, when you run your own node, uh, you can do some cool stuff. And it kind of just contributes back to that whole sovereignty that I was talking about in the beginning, where you kind of get to be maybe not in control of everything, but you're in control of what your interactions are with something, as opposed to relying on someone else and trusting them and hoping that they're going to do the right thing. Uh, You know, that generally people, you know kind of get greedy sometimes or maybe they want to look under the hood of something. Um, anytime you can self host your data or be contributing to a, um, a project like Bitcoin, it, it kind of just adds some fulfillment that you can't really explain until you do it. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's that. Um, I, <laughs> I have an outline I'm just kind of all over the place, so I apologize. I feel a little rusty, like uh, like you know, not having podcasted for a couple of weeks. It's kind of crazy how you you can get out of the uh, the habit of uh, you know your uh, cadence of, of speaking and things. But so uh, there's some really I've mentioned them before. I'm actually going to try to get an interview uh, with Ed from um, uh, the Self Hosting uh, They have a, a matrix server that I'll, I'll put in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, if you want to go to the show notes, you can also just go to closedntwrk.com and click on episode 10 to get to the show notes where you will see the link to download an application. I use Element. Element is an application that allows you to connect to matrix servers. If you um, aren't familiar with matrix servers, they're kind of just like independent servers. Like Think of like an IRC. I mean, people still use IRC today, but it's not maybe as popular as it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago, uh, like chat rooms essentially. So more people have kind of opted for like social media type apps, like Twitter and stuff like that. But, uh, matrix is a protocol that allows anyone to run their own server. And I like that. Um, because again, anytime you can self host something and be in control of it, the better. Uh, so the guys over at, uh, Uh, the self-hosting blog, have a matrix server that I joined. Um, I'll put that in there. And if you want to pop over, it's a great place to communicate and find out uh, some information. Or if you have questions about running your own server, Um, I'm also on there. So if you want to uh, communicate with me when I'm on, I'll, I'll definitely respond. Not always on, but I, uh, I do pop in there from time to time. And, as this podcast progresses, I am looking at some other options for communication and cultivating a place for conversation within the community where people who listen can interact with each other and myself, and we can share knowledge and share news stories and stuff like that. So I'm thinking about actually setting up a Mastodon server. Um, I've set them up before for other projects, and they're really fun. They're basically just think of it as a, your own private Twitter server but the cool thing about mastodon is you can federate with other mastodon servers so you can follow anyone that's federated on mastodon which means all the mastodon servers can talk to each other if they're configured to do so and you can interact with people on those servers too uh you can also like block them really easily if you don't want to see their stuff so or you can just look at the local timeline and not worry about what's going on on all the other places. So I'm thinking about doing something like that because I like, I like the idea of something where people can casually come on and post and interact like something, share it, uh, share an idea, but it's not a live chat like matrixes. Um, but I think that something like Mastodon, having a Mastodon instance would be a little more interesting and less, um, We require less attention um, so we all have only so much time in the day to pay attention to things. So I'm thinking about doing that. um, And I've been working on an e-commerce store uh, and I've got a BTC pay server set up so that I can process crypto transactions for selling merch. Uh, When I say merch, I don't mean just like swag, like t-shirts and stuff, although I think that would be cool and fun uh, maybe other things like hats or beanies and stuff, but maybe phones or pre-built Raspberry Pies. Um, I've sold some phones to some of you. We've interacted just through email and worked that out. Uh, but I don't I don't have like an actual store set up for it. And I think it'd be a lot more beneficial for everyone if I did, uh, because I... I, I kind of started doing it as like for fun and helping friends and family. And now it's kind of growing into from doing this podcast, people emailing me and asking like, Hey, do you have a pixel three or a four? You know, can I get it? Um, and I think it'd be easier to have a store where people could just go check it out, see what the price is, select whether they want Calix OS or Graphene OS, check out, pay with credit card if they want to, not really quite- quite sure how I'm going to do that because i'm I really try to want to try to you know make it make it easy to be as anonymous as possible so maybe we'd start off with just accepting crypto only um and if we do a payment outside of that, maybe we could just do it one on one because I don't want people to have to reveal their identity to me and vice versa and when you accept Visa mastercard, you kind of have to um go down that path. So I'm not quite sure how to handle that just yet, but we could do cryptocurrency. Um, It's easy enough to download like the strike app and buy, you know, a hundred bucks and a couple hundred bucks in Bitcoin and buy something with it. So that may be the route that I'll push people because then it kind of makes it truly more sovereign because I can run the transaction on a BTC pay server. So we don't have to rely on a third party to run the transaction. So I'm working on some of that. Um, and if you are interested in helping in art or design or music or anything that helps contribute to the podcast, please hit me up. I am all ears. Uh, ears? I guess it would be all eyes in that scenario. Unless it's music, I guess it would be ears. So I do have some ideas to evolve and grow the podcast. I've had these ideas actually, not just recently but from the beginning, but I also kind of wanted to make sure and prove to myself that I would put in the time and effort to keep this thing going to justify putting all that extra work in or asking for help from other people. And I feel like that's kind of that next milestone that I'm moving into. So um, that's kind of where things are gonna go. I'm also working on some other things like a digital tool tip download, which would just be a PDF uh, that I'll have on the site. I may actually redo the whole site too. Like I've got a lot of different things that I'm kind of considering and I'd have to, I got to do it all at the same time, not all of it at the same time, but like if I redid the website, I'd, I'd fold in, uh, the store, I'd probably build it on WooCommerce and do that all at the same time. Um, but I kind of just also don't want to lose sight of, um, the, the core of what we're trying to accomplish, which is just help share information and, um, Tools and applications and uh, techniques to just help shield your your privacy from strangers and corporations and big tech and governments and all that fun stuff. I, I don't know what your reason is, and it doesn't matter. Um, we all have our reasons. And I feel like more time that goes by, the reasons become more apparent to everybody. So... Uh, yeah, so anyway, I, I just really wanted to kind of focus on a very simple project. And if you don't want to do it, that's, that's, that's okay. I know some of this stuff is going to be maybe intimidating or you just don't want to. And you maybe skip over this podcast episode because of it. Um, but I've really enjoyed having an Umbral server running on a Raspberry Pi. I've got a VPN set up on it. I've got a Lightning Node set up on it with uh, about four channels that I have open. What Lightning is is once you have Bitcoin, a Bitcoin node running and the blockchain is, is synchronized, you can set up a Lightning node. Lightning runs on top of Bitcoin, and the way Lightning works is is think about if uh, if uh, you and I have a channel open. Let's say uh, we each put a million satoshis uh, into this channel, so it's two million chan two million uh, Satoshi's worth of, uh, of liquidity. So what that means is we can actually be like a gateway, like a pass through. So people can, are sending money quickly. It doesn't have to be, you know, directly what they call on chain. So if I, if you do a normal Bitcoin transaction, unless you're willing to pay like a pretty high, uh, sat per byte fee, um, it may not be very fast. Uh, a block gets written to the blockchain in roughly every ten minutes or so, and depending upon the f- what the fees are at the time and what you know what you're paying to transact, it could take twenty minutes. It could take an hour. It could take a couple hours sometimes to for a transaction to process. Well, if you're trying to do commerce, you don't you don't have that kind of time to wait around, especially like small things um, or things that don't. It don't cost a lot of money, like a cup of coffee. Say if it's like three bucks, and you just want to pay someone the three dollars worth in Bitcoin, it doesn't make sense to do an on-chain transaction. It takes too long, and the fees are too high. So, you can use Lightning, which runs on top of Bitcoin, and the Strike app I'm talking about is uh, is a Lightning app. So, if you were to send, let's, and uh, in, in the, in the other cool thing is the Breeze app. That I mentioned earlier, the Podcast 2.0 app, it actually has a Bitcoin wallet and a point of sale on it. So you could use it to listen to podcasts, but you could also say like if you wanted to sell something at a farmer's market and accept Bitcoin, let's just say, you could actually generate an invoice from that. And now it's all running on Lightning. If someone pays that invoice, it's not like the Bitcoin is transferring directly from their wallet to you. It's going through one of these channels. And because these channels already have predetermined liquidity in them for inbound and outbound. It just goes into one of these channels and out of channel onto another channel and eventually just right onto your wallet. Eventually that transaction will be written to the blockchain, but there's a record of it within the lightning network. And that value is transferred very, very quickly. So that's, that's what lightning is and you can run a lightning node and open up channels of liquidity to contribute to the speed of the network and the stability of it. Uh, I checked, I think it was probably a couple of weeks ago, how many lightning channels were open and it was somewhere around 80 to 85,000 channels. Uh, I'd like to see that number double in the next, you know, three to six months. I think that'd be awesome if that could happen. Um, and the only way that happens is by everyday people firing up a node and running a lightning node on, uh, on there and opening up channels with other people. So, that's kind of its own topic, and it's it's something that you do once you kind of have some of the other things set up already, but that's just an example, and, and you can make fees from that too, by the way. I wouldn't look at this as a profit center necessarily, but you can make some passive income uh, by running a Lightning node, so you know, that that's kind of cool, but you're also... Um, creating sovereignty within the space for people to be able to transfer value without asking permission from an intermediary or a bank or a government or anything like that. And these things can happen lightning fast. Uh, invoices can be paid in seconds as opposed to several minutes or hours. So, uh, you know, being it, it, this all depends on people running what we need you know, to, to, to have available in order for everything to work. So, um, I kind of, I kind of like people to look at things as like, rather than why would you do that more of like, Oh, why, why wouldn't you though? You know, um, if you have the time and you have the, a little bit of technical know-how, you don't have to be super, you know, uh, technical, but you got, you got, you know, some, some basic computer skills, you can totally do this. And if you try and fail, well, then just, you know, the more you try, the better you'll get. A lot of the stuff I've set up, I've failed quite a bit getting it set up. And I've got to a point now where it's pretty fascinating. I mean, I'm running Tor Relay nodes. I'm running Bitcoin node, Lightning node, a Dojo server, a BTC Pay server, Mastodon server. I mean, it's like all these things I've set up. Now, granted, I have a technical background, so, but my point is, is that... You know, it, sometimes it seems hard, but then you just follow some tutorials and you just try it. You kind of fumble your way through some stuff, and then boom, you get it running, and it's like, wow, that's awesome! And then you want to share it with people and get them excited. So, um, so yeah, this was just kind of a this was just kind of like a reason why uh, to self-host, why to run a Bitcoin node, why you might want to look into it. Like I said, if you don't have a Raspberry Pi, you're not sure you want to invest the money into that but maybe you have an old laptop, then all you have to do is uh, just download the Bitcoin core um, uh, software, which you can get from Bitcoin.org, just, you know, do, dot .org. And you can go right into, I, I think I'm actually go to their website real quick. And uh, let's see. I think it's under get started with Bitcoin. Um, so it, it kind of has like a nice little tutorial on what Bitcoin is and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then it has just a, a, a download option for running a full node. Uh, a full node just means you're, you're keeping a copy of the blockchain. And what the requirements are for the computer. You know, it needs to be running 24-7. So it's oftentimes why a laptop may not be the best. But if you just want to try it out first... Um, then that would be a good, a good starting point. Uh, so you just, yeah, you just download the software. Uh, I think it's just Bitcoin.org slash download. And, uh, actually, yeah, go to the Bitcoin core download page, Bitcoin.org forward slash EN for the language forward slash download. And you can just go ahead and download a copy of it. Uh, if you're running like windows or Mac or Linux, it'll run on all, all the major operating systems. So, you can start just doing that. It's not super exciting. You're not going to see a lot of crazy stuff, but you could just set it up and be like, "Wow, okay, I'm running a node. Cool. Like I'm contributing." That's really at the basic level. Uh, kind of what I want people to understand: what it really takes. It doesn't take much uh, to contribute, and then start, you know, doing some research. And maybe if you do set up a Raspberry Pi and you want to run a Lightning node, check out BTC sessions on YouTube and some other YouTube uh, tutorials, and you'll find a lot of great stuff out there. How to, you know, set it up and get it running, and test it out. And then let me know you're running one. Open a channel with me. We'll open up a. Uh, a lightning channel with each other and create some liquidity out there for people in the uh in the network. So, love to hear any feedback. You can also hit me on Twitter. I'm not super active, but I do uh, pop on a couple times a week and I'm usually use Twitter for uh research and keeping updated on like data breaches and just things that are going on in the InfoSec space. So uh, if you do have a Twitter account, you want to follow me, it's just twitter.com slash closed N-T-W-R-K or at closed N-T-W-R-K. Throw me a follow. I'll I'll, uh, I'll follow you back. Let me know what you think of the podcast. And if there's any specific topics that you'd like me to discuss uh, go, or go into greater detail on... Would love to hear from you. Let me know. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed a little bit of a, a Bitcoin talk, a little Raspberry Pi talk. There's a couple references I'm going to have in uh, in the show notes. One of them is to an anti-encryption bill called Earn It that just passed the um, Senate uh, Judiciary Committee on the 11th, I think, or the 12th. Uh, It's a little concerning. Basically, it's to try to limit, you know, uh, encryption, the use of encryption, uh, especially with ISPs and stuff like that, to lean on to uh, basically scan more information under the guise of child protection and anti-terrorism. So uh, there's some articles on the EFF.org website, which is the Electronic Frontier Foundation uh, that I'll link to that also make it really easy to send emails to your state. Uh, representatives, your congressional representatives and your state senators, and tell them that you are not down for that, and to uh, vote no on it. So I'll have that in the show notes. I just don't want to go down too many rabbit holes. Uh, I think what I might do is cover some some legislative legislative topics um, in some upcoming episodes. I'm also uh, working to get some some guests on to interview, uh, as well as some of these other projects I mentioned. So. Uh, yeah, until next time Hope you all have a great Week And I will catch you on episode 11 righty take care If I ever fail, just know I'll go again I never quit, cause I know that every loss May lead to another win, I'm going off I bet when I land, they to tell me It's luck again, see that I'm winning, it's harder to watch I'm setting the stage, you should give me my prize You ain't got a soul, you lacking the spirit You talk out your neck, I'ma show you I'm with it I am really happy you to sit and watch me win again